This is American Hysteria's Aftershock, where I share with you a story that didn't make it into the main episode. I'm your host, Chelsea Weber-Smith, and today we're talking about Furby. Since we are all hella old, Furbies are now found most often on the smooth wooden shelves of haunted antique stores, their eyes open or closed into eternity, batteryless, but nonetheless, I assume, awakening in the middle of the night to garble out a few demonic words. From the alleged government experiment arcade game Polybius to the Bush-era rumors that Saddam Hussein was crafting weapons of mass destruction out of PlayStation 2 consoles, urban legends have always abounded about children's toys and games. Wherever kids are having fun, there are always wild rumors or conspiracy theories to go along with them, but no toy has attracted quite as many urban legends and conspiracy theories as that big-eyed, thick-eyelashed, yellow-beaked robot gremlin known, of course, as Furby. Most millennials either had a Furby or at least knew someone who did, likely throwing it out a window at some point or cooking it in a microwave, only to have it reappear on the desk in your room. Furby emerged as one of the first computerized robot toys, before the popular and endless supply of robot dogs I certainly had in the very beginning of the 2000s, such as Poochie, iSybe, and the iDog, all deeply disappointing technology. When Furby debuted in 1998, it seemed to be unprecedented in its level of artificial intelligence, and people went absolutely nuts, with stores selling out all over the country. Furby was marketed as a toy that actually learned from its owner. When you first bought a Furby, it would only speak in this language known as Furbish, a gibberish, toddler-like language. However, after a while, it would slowly start to say words in English, as if it were a real child learning to speak from its parent. But that was all part of the illusion. While millions enjoyed teaching their Furbies to speak, few actually understood that Furby was not learning from you. All Furby toys from the original line did not learn English. They were simply programmed to transition from Furbish to English over a predetermined amount of time. But as Furby was the first of its kind, it inevitably led to a misunderstanding on the part of the consumer. People assumed that because it apparently learned to speak from you, it must have a microphone to listen with, right? And if it had a microphone, who's to say it's not recording everything we're saying? Tiger Electronics, the company behind Furby, had to eventually issue a statement confirming that no, their colorful furry robot toy for children was not spying on people. While the original Furby did have a microphone, it was only a sensor that could detect if someone was speaking to the Furby, but not what they said. That way, Furby could seemingly respond to what you were saying, though its programming only knew that you were speaking, not the content of what you were saying. Furby had no capability to hear, let alone record or even understand what children were saying. So if you remember all those parents claiming that Furby was teaching their kids bad words, or if you remember being a kid trying to teach your Furby bad words, well, unfortunately, none of it was true. This bombshell revelation from Tiger Electronics that Furby wasn't a spy 
only came about after Furby-related paranoia had reached the highest offices of the American Intelligence Network, the National Security Agency. Amidst the Furby craze in 1999, the NSA offices at Fort Meade, North Dakota, actually banned Furby toys from the premises in a memo that read, quote, Personally owned photographic video and audio recording equipment are prohibited items. This includes toys such as Furbies with built-in recorders that repeat the audio with synthesized sound to mimic the original. Conspiracy theories about Furby had also reached the naval shipyards at Norfolk, Virginia, where an official email sent to personnel stated that Furby, quote, is considered a recording device and as such is not allowed without the commander's approval. If you see one, you are to take proper action, seize it and its owner. This is a security violation. The toy shall be held as evidence on a chain of custody form. Though the myths were quickly dispelled that Furby was recording conversations, it would not be the last time that rumors would emerge about the toy. Another feature of Furby was if you place them near each other, they would have a conversation. Within its first year of release, hospitals and airplanes were added to the list of places that Furby was banned from, this time because of the suspicion that the computerized toy gave off electromagnetic waves. Hospitals feared that Furby could electronically interfere with their medical equipment, and the Federal Aviation Administration recommended that Furby toys not be allowed on airliners for the risk of interfering with the navigational equipment needed for takeoffs and landings. Again, Tiger Electronics had to respond, with their spokeswoman, Lana Simon, adding that their staff got a big laugh out of the FAA's statement. Like the urban legends of the Furby recording device, the claims of hospitals and the FAA came from a basic misunderstanding of the toy's technology. While the original Furby did have a function that enabled it to sense when another Furby was around and talk to it, the function used only infrared technology, the same kind in remote controls. Furby was not capable of shutting down life support systems or sabotaging aircraft landings. Despite these slanderous allegations against Furby, Tiger Electronics laughed all the way to the bank with 27 million toys sold in a year. The company's president, Robert Schiffman, joked about the claims in 1999, saying, quote, I've been told that we're developing a Furby that can drive a car in the year 2000. We've also been told that the current Furby has the technology to launch the space shuttle. We have one woman who is absolutely insistent that her Furby sings Italian operas. You ever notice how finding time and energy to do the most basic human necessity, eat literal food, has become just another exhausting task jammed into our increasingly inhuman schedules? Well, your spring can be a little more stress-free with Factor. Factor will provide you with delicious, never frozen, ready to eat gourmet meals that are chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Each week, you get to choose from a menu of 35 options to create your perfect breakfast, lunch, or dinner with absolutely no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. And Factor makes sure you get exactly what you want. You can tailor 
tailor deliveries to your schedule and customize how many meals you want each and every week. And you can pause anytime. So just head to factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 and use code American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code American Hysteria 50 at factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Check out Factor today. What's that? It's my Furby. Furby loves you love while adult panic about Furby came and went, the robotic toy would go on to be the stuff of nightmares for a generation of children who had their own experiences that led them to believe that their toy didn't just have a mind of its own, it was possessed. Many of these children, now grown up, recently recounted their Furby experiences on a Reddit thread. While countless users reported their Furby waking up unprompted in the middle of the night, others had even stranger experiences with the toy, including... Furby heating up and chanting in a high-pitched tone, Furby suddenly acquiring a foreign language, Furby operating without batteries, Furby's demanding, feed me, in a low-pitched, demonic-sounding voice, Furby's continuing to function despite attempts to destroy them, even with fire, and Furby's coming back to life after years of sitting idly on a shelf. Most of these experiences, and I bet if you had a Furby, you can relate to at least one of them, can be easily explained. Just like the panics around Furby spying on you or interfering with technology, these experiences can be attributed to the simple fact that Furby was new and innovative, the first of its kind in many ways. And because of that, Furby was prone to malfunctions, including battery issues and unwarranted factory resets that resulted in Furby speaking in a different language. It should also be considered that Furby didn't even have an off switch until a year after its initial release, following complaints from annoyed parents that the Furby would begin speaking in the middle of the night. But many of the Reddit posters also shared something in common. They didn't even want a Furby to begin with. While many kids found Furby to be fun and adorable, many also found them to be creepy and off-putting. I know I did and still do. Despite being scared of it, many of us kids forced ourselves to play with Furby out of guilt to appease our enthusiastic parents who believed they were providing us the most innovative in children's technology. Other kids tried to destroy and get rid of it, and some of the Reddit posters described how no matter how hard they tried to get rid of their Furby, no matter how many times they tossed it outside or tossed it in the garbage, it would always turn back up on a shelf or on top of their dresser, staring and blinking at them, asking to be fed. Of course, in hindsight, what was initially thought of as a possessed Furby returning to torment its owner was likely parents finding the Furby and returning it to the kid's room. I certainly was never able to muster anything close to love for my Furby, now a time-honored member of the Uncanny Valley that we talked about in our Season 1 episode on Phantom Clowns. 
But no matter how much evidence is shown to the contrary, I know in my heart of hearts it was an early tool of the satanic Illuminati, spying on innocent middle-class Americans, whose lives were obviously incredibly interesting to the U.S. government, possessing the next generation, leading us toward the unspeakable evil that we would soon embody. Even if we escaped its indoctrination, many of us 90s kids are still haunted by its clacking animatronic eyes, its beak mouth clacking open too, growing from an innocent little animal to what appeared to be a sentient being, one we could project our fears onto until it grew up, just like us, adults now too, old enough, finally, to tell urban legends about ourselves. This was American Hysteria's Aftershock. Next week on the show, I'll be covering the topic of dangerous teens, ranging from school shootings to the super predator of the 90s and the consequences we fail to think about when we're in the middle of a culture war. American Hysteria is written, produced, and hosted by me, Chelsea Weber-Smith. Assistant produced by Derek Smith, produced and edited by Clear Camo Studios, and co-written and researched by Riley Smith. And recorded on location in Seattle at Densmore Studios. If you're not already, make sure you follow us on social media and leave us a review if you can. If you have a creepy Furby story, write me on social media and I'll post it online for all of us to share. And if you happen to have a Furby lying around that still works, send us a video. You can find the links to our social media in the show notes. Until next time, sweet dreams. Hey, podcast listener, do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.